and that we love a chat. We love to help and that's a fact. So we have made it our mission to find stuff out. From diagnosis and education, slimming out of your frustration. Chat to folks who've been there too. Collect it together and share it with you. If you know someone we should speak to, send them our way and that's what we'll do. We like to have our sensory natters. You know what? Hi everyone, it's Jenny here, episode 77 of the Sensory Matters podcast. Welcome. And today I'm joined by Tom Henley. Hi, Tom. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. It's very good. early in the morning. I don't usually get up this early. <laughs> are you not boy. an early riser? No. <laughs> no, yeah. I would like to not be an early riser, but unfortunately two children influence that. Yeah. Um, so for those that don't know Tom. Tom's got a Facebook page called Asperger's Growth and also a fab YouTube channel called Asperger's Growth. So if you want to go look him up, you can find him in those places. Is there anywhere else they can find you? Um, I think that pretty much covers it. You know, it's just for all the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's all that Asperger's Growth. So it's pretty easy. (laughs) Okay. Now, how old are you? I'm 22. 22 mm-hmm. so at age 22 tom has already done more than a lot of people do in their entire lifetime so he obviously has asperger's but um aside from that he's had amazing success with taekwondo being a commonwealth games medal holder a gold one and a trophy um he's done radio shows he goes and talks to secondary school his youtube channel is very focused on the mental health crisis in Uh, the autistic community which we're going to touch on as well um plus you've got a 2-1 in biomedical sciences and you've starred in a couple of documentaries that's good going (laughs) it it sounds like a lot like (laughs) yeah no it's fantastic so let's let's go back to the beginning then so you were diagnosed at age 10 yes um i was diagnosed at age age 10 i i quite quite vividly remember it, I don't usually remember stuff from my childhood, but right. Um, I was basically I was I was taken to um, a psychologist to you know get tested and stuff, and I think that lasted maybe about four or five hours. Um, I can't remember if it was spread over two days or not. And they they ran a few tests and stuff, and then my mum took me to uh, McDonald's after because you know I, I like chicken nuggets so yeah well I did I don't anymore but um, huh. <laughs> and it was it was quite a you know sort of moving experience I wasn't known for my emotional outbursts at the time I was quite always a little bit you know emotionally stable and uh, I remember my mum telling me that I had autism and she started explaining to me what it was, uh, why it makes me different, uh, the struggles that I have, the, the the good things that come from it as well. And I just remember, you know, just bursting into tears because at that, even at that age, I could notice some differences between me and other, the other kids. Yeah. You know, they, they seem to be just progressing into some kind of world that I just had no idea about. And I always felt a bit on the outside kind of side of things it was yeah it was it was, it was very good for me it was mm-hmm. it was kind of 
a good thing, but you know, it was kind of happiness tears because it gave me a reason, I guess. Um, yeah, it helped you understand yourself a bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, help yeah. help me understand other people as well, which was the main yeah. thing. Because then I, I knew what was different between myself and other people, and I can say, oh, they're not just being silly or stupid. They 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 are they do have different brains to me, and that's why they do this. And yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a two way thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what what was it that you know? led your mum to taking you to the psychologist uh it was actually my my mum's girlfriend um I mean the the teachers and my parents and stuff always had a little bit of an inkling that Mm. there was something you know not quite I don't want to say normal but not quite typical maybe yeah that's a better word about me um I would sort of spin around in a circle constantly um I would always observe like social groups from the outside for at least an hour so if I'd go to like football games and stuff I'd sort of sit sit at the side and watch for a bit just to take it all in and understand who these people were and stuff and I never sort of um got you know the typical sort of sarcasm any anything any kind of concepts that were completely concrete I didn't really understand and that all of those were known about it was just my mum's girlfriend which um, was the person who sort of pushed pushed us forward into the diagnosis and I think it was a good thing definitely definitely yeah well I was going to ask that so how how did things change after that diagnosis um it's kind of it's kind of fuzzy for me I don't really remember much from my childhood Mm -hmm. Uh, but I do remember getting a lot more support at secondary school Um, I had this little well not myself but all all the people with special needs and mental health problems um, had this place called the bridge at my school which is basically just a team of you know a couple of people who supported the students and they let me come into the bridge whenever I was feeling overwhelmed and stuff. And I think that was the main thing. That was the main thing that helped me. Uh, I didn't get any of the, in secondary school, I didn't get any of the social training or anything. I might have done it when I was a bit younger, but I can't Mm -hmm. really remember. Um, But yeah, the the support that that has been put in place, especially at university and stuff, letting people know about my diagnosis has helped me um get understood more and people have a bit more empathy for you when you're understood you know yeah absolutely and so where where did the interest in taekwondo come from (laughs) actually um so I I used to be a swimmer I used to be quite a good swimmer and When it came to the age of maybe fourteen, fifteen, um, I was I I got really, really, really depressed, and I developed anxiety and all that kind of dissociation and all of those um, labels, whatever. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I'd I'd been self harming quite a lot in my um, teenage years, and. 
I stopped because obviously I didn't want people at swimming to see and yeah I sort of reached a bit of a low because I wasn't I wasn't filling my time with sport and obviously because I was a bit behind socially I wasn't really spending that much time with friends mm. uh, so I I sort of fell into um, this little hole and the 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 main thing that brought me out of it were these sort of inspirational movies um, or an, or anime shows. Those were the yeah. two things that sort of spurred me on. And I, I sort of looked up to these people as role models because there's not many at the, at the time that I could find. There wasn't many autistic role models for me. And if, even if there were non-autistic role models, I still didn't completely feel you know, a bit of connection with me and them. Mm-hmm. And these anime characters were just like these people who believed in themselves and ideas and just anything. And when I was when I was at such a low point, uh, that was what I clung on to. And it just ha- so happened that a lot of these anime characters were fighters. So hmm. I thought, why not try some martial okay. arts? <laughs> Wow. And then so to go from turning up to your first one and giving it a go to then going on to represent the country at the Commonwealth Games and get a gold, how how did that all come about? Did you just have a natural flair for it or I didn't I didn't have a natural flair for it at all. Oh. And um at the start I was a bit I was very rubbish. Um mm-hmm. extremely rubbish. <laughs> I started about you know, two years, for the first two years, I was at sort of a more traditional club where I learned to, you know, go through the gradings and get the belts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also learned some kicks, but they weren't sport orientated this, this class. Mm-hmm. And it was only until maybe like the third or fourth year that I uh, made a move and went to a sporting class, which was quite a, quite a bit far away um, okay. in Cottingley. So it was about two hours from where I live. Wow. Um, not two hours, maybe like an hour and a half, but an hour and a half drive. Um, my parents would drive me up maybe three or four times a week to various wow. places where the club was going. Yeah, they were, they were extremely supportive. Yeah. And um, I was very, obviously very scared about this, <laughs> mm-hmm. going to new pla- lots of new places, lots of new people, especially people who are very good at fighting. And uh, I I just proceeded to get my um, get my ass kicked for you know like two or three years constantly. Yeah. Uh, you know I go to competitions and always lose to the same guy who would get me all the time. And there would in training sessions, you know, I come back in like bruises and stuff, and that was never really a problem for me um, because. You know, although everybody else in the my category, everybody else in the in the uh, minus eighty kilogram category that I was in, mm-hmm. they were all doing it since they were like six or eight. You know, they've had, mm. they've had a lot of a lot of experience, but I I just I just I was a hard worker. I, yeah, I did so much. I, I would go to classes and I would run in the morning 
and I would do daily exercises that I had to meet, which were ridiculous. Uh, I mm-hmm. don't know how I did them. <laughs> um, and I would just go full out in training sessions all the time. And it just, it just got me to a point where I was, you know, at the top of, you know, at the nationals, national championships. So I won a few That's times amazing. and then started going abroad, places like Croatia, Serbia, etc. And uh, GB picked up on me and, and took me to a lot of different competitions like Commonwealth and European Championships as well. Which Wow. But yeah. That's just amazing, isn't it? It just it makes you think, what if you'd not gone? What if you hadn't walked into your first taekwondo session? Because um, I w- would imagine that all of that and being focused on all of that activity probably helped your mental health at that point. Oh, yeah, definitely. First, mm-hmm. Firstly, for the physical side. And yes. secondly, because my self-confidence was just absolutely non-existent. Yeah. Um, I had no self-confidence. And it was really, it was really, really hard for me to go to training. I would, you know, I'd constantly have anxiety about going all day and then I'd have sometimes have panic attacks on the way and have to, you know, sort of stay in the car for a bit until I calmed down. Um, But as soon as I got into it, um, as soon as I sort of got into a groove and I got the, you know, the adrenaline and feel good hormones from the exercise after it really helped my my anxiety and stuff but yeah mm, and it was it was quite yeah it was quite good for me it it gave me a lot of confidence absolutely and I think it shows incredible strength to have pushed through those feelings of anxiety and panic attacks and still pushing through and pursuing it um, and obviously well worth it for you because you've achieved amazing things with it. Is it something you still do? Uh, it's not actually something that I do right now. Uh, I had a bit of a uh, motorcycle accident um, in Thailand, so my knee is sort of a bit rubbish right now, but I'm, I'm doing other stuff. I'm, I've started up boxing. I've been doing that for about three months now. Getting right. pretty good at it, but don't know whether I want to go into it. It's just more of a, you know, I just I feel like I need to do some kind of fighting. It's just yeah. feels like it's in my blood now. I can't get rid of yeah. it. <laughs> That's really good. Well, we're going to take a quick break in a minute, but before we do, I'm going to ask you, what do you yeah. wish your all neurotypicals knew? Just kind of one thing you wish they just knew. I think. The ma- the main thing is, we are, you know, we're a separate, we are a separate brain, and mm-hmm. we we try very on a very constant basis to try and understand you and be tolerant and under trying to try to understand you as a person. So just you know, just like a little bit back would be great. <laughs> That yeah. is the great, that is okay. the um, the ideal, you know, it's not, you don't have to learn much, just talk to someone on the spectrum, make friends with someone on the spectrum, and you will understand us better than any sort of textbooks that you can read. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Okay, fab. Well, after the break, we're going to talk a bit about this mental health crisis in the autistic community. So we'll be back in 10. You can now get our most popular toys in a bundle and at a bargain price. You get our keys, remote control, phone and credit card, the perfect way to fidget, stim, chew and play. Available from our website priced at £19.95 or two Chewy Gem credits. Now back to the podcast. Right, welcome back everybody. So before um, we took that short break, we were chatting to Tom about his diagnosis and his amazing success with taekwondo. Um, And... We're, we're now kind of at the point to discuss kind of what he does with his Asperger's growth thing. And I think you, the big thing you've got a passion for is what you would call a mental health crisis in the autistic community. So can you tell me a bit more about that and, and why you think there is a crisis, why it's so important to you and, and what you and everybody else can do to help it? Yeah, so it's it's really not something that it's it was really surprising for me because I, I did my final year project making a a documentary and mm-hmm. um I I was looking through research and I was looking through the you know the main autism research sites like autism.org um and I found a lot of horrifying statistics on mental health in autistic people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one in three autistic people, people on the spectrum, have a severe mental health condition. <laughs> it's yeah. quite, it's quite a big thing. That's that's the first. That's the tip of the sort of, that brings you into it, and then you read about you know like the rates of suicide and the rates of social isolation, unemployment, life satisfaction, lack of support, and. I feel like I don't understand I don't understand why people are not talking about this more because although autistic people make up a minority of the population it mm. doesn't stop our society from helping minorities because that's what we're doing that's the sort of social media kind of media craze that's going which is great supporting minorities and increasing pride and making people aware of the issues and for some reason people are just ignoring this you know quite integral group of people yeah who are who can be amazing they can be incredibly artistic they can be incredibly smart and able to add a lot to workplaces and add a lot to people's lives Mm -hmm. they they have a lot of positives yet people are just sort of not seeing not seeing these horrible statistics and it's it's re- really disheartening for me cuz how do you like i i don't know how i can get my head around it i just don't understand why people aren't talking about it that's and yeah. so like a lot of the stuff that i do online now is just raising awareness of autism and mental health on my youtube channel and mm-hmm trying to go around and share my experiences wherever I can um, in the hopes one day to have some impact um, to try and change things, you know, get better education, primary schools, better sort of inclusion 
protocols and all of that would be great. And I think that's what they need. That's what we need. Um, so do you see the the kind of root cause of the mental health challenges because it's a minority group and it's not understood and the impact that has on the individual? Is that what you see or do, do you not think it's that? I think it's it's partially because, you know, Asperger's is still classified as a disability, you know, it. It is a disability in some aspects. It can make it very difficult to interact with people. There's a lot of sensory problems, a lot of sort of biological differences that make us more prone to mental health problems. Mm. But there is also, you know, a big, there's there's a big part of that which is societal. Um, you know, sorry, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> No, that's fine. <laughs> what so were you really saying again? <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying what's what's yeah. the do you see the society angle of it, I suppose, as a contributing factor to the mm. mental health crisis? Yeah, it's just autistic people, you know, they lump us into one. They mm. already know that we have problems, but they don't they don't fully embrace the fact that we are individuals with an ability to learn the things that we are so-called disabled at, such as mm-hmm. speech and talking to other people and interacting, which have basic, this is one of the main things that I talk about on my channel as well, is that we, we can learn to do this stuff. And once once we do, it gives us an ability to verbalize the problems that we have and get over these sort of the the grouping of autism you know it needs to be these are people these are is people that have mental health problems rather than autistic people with mental health problems because there's yes. there seems to be some disconnect in people's minds they must think uh, yeah okay i get you they're so disabled is it, is it... yeah so is it would you like to see the disability angle of it disappear in that it's it becomes more like you can have a black person a white person an autistic person straight person you know they're just variants of a person rather than a disability yeah i think i think there's an aspect of that i do think that it needs you know in order to get the support that it needs that the support that autistic people need Mm-hmm. It needs to be a disability, just from a. Yeah. Because if it's not, then you're what, not going to get yeah, no support. Yeah. Yeah. But the the problem is, is that a lot of this support is is needed because the world is not built for us. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not something that we would create. It's something that's built for neurotypical people. Mm-hmm. And. We need support to deal with this and this stressful and sensory-like and environment and all these social norms that we we don't really identify with. And in that way, we do need help with that because we are, of course, a minority. And we, I, I don't want to change society. I don't think we mm. should because we are, we're a portion, and the majority should rule. But yeah, just. 
it's difficult. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so is it, do you think that autism kind of cloaks the mental health thing? Like that trumps it, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. So is that what's hiding what's going on? The fact that people see autistic first and then mental health second? Yes. It's, yeah. oh, this person is autistic. Yes. Oh, and then there's not. Poor, poor them because they are autistic rather than poor them because they have mental health problems and they are a person. That's Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's what's the solution? The solution is it needs to be known. It needs to, we need to have more people talking about it in a, in a positive light. Um, we need to have people who, autistic people who have developed their social skills uh, to get onto platforms and talk about it and mm-hmm. sort of rehumanize us rather than sort of group us because we, we are very different to each other and we are human as well and that there needs to be that understanding first before people can say oh this group of people is you know under a lot of have a, has a lot of problems um yeah because if it was any other sort of if it was to do with race if there was some minority of people who were being who had the poorest mental health in society everybody would jump onto it and they say oh mm-hmm. god what, what is happening here but if it's autism already there's already a problem so yeah it's sort of masked yeah, by that sense. if that makes sense so is this what's driven you to do things like the radio show and go into schools and you know the documentaries that you've done it is one of one of the biggest reasons because you know i i didn't have i didn't have the you know i'm trying to give to young autistic people something that i didn't have yeah firstly understanding from their peers and support and secondly someone to look up to you know some a a role model if 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 it be um someone to look at and and say this person has asperger's and they are so successful that's that's just what i want them them to think that they can do anything that they want to they can be great at social skills they can do stressful things like traveling they can do anything and i just i'm trying to do as many things as i can just to get 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 across the point that we can do anything we want to we just need to have some self-confidence yes but that comes with good mental health as well doesn't it yes and if you are severely depressed like one one third of autistic people are it's kind of hard to do that because not 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 everybody can sort of push through that and although i am very happy about the achievements i had i just didn't enjoy my life for you know up until maybe 21 you know just recently wow i just yeah i had no i had no life goals i was always looking I was always set that, you know, I was I was going to, you know, die young. And then 
a lot of the things that happened in my life, such as my granddad passing away and learning, you know, getting a group of friends when I went traveling and learning more about them and realizing that if I explain to them in, in a way that fits their sort of social model, um, they're very receptive to it. And that sort of opened up my mind because yeah. I think one of the another problem is is that autistic people, autistic communities in general, have some some of them, not all of them, of course, but I've seen a lot of um, sort of hatred towards non-autistic people as well, and mm-hmm. I don't think there should be that hatred there. It's just they don't understand really um to its core and that that, mm-hmm. that is the problem and there's there's a lot there's a lot of issues that that we have both as two groups together but i'm just trying to build a little bit of a bridge of understanding so that yes. we can get these things in place and get some understanding there and some empathy so that we can change things and make life good or just at least moderately good for <laughs> autistic children who are going to have to grow up with this and can have to possibly go through the same things that I did. Yeah. Well, you, you I mean, you're talking of a role model. You're just a prime example of anything is possible with the traveling that you've done and your two one biomedical scientist degree. You know, you've, you've achieved a lot, um, which just proves the point that anything is possible despite any disability, do you have anyone that you think is good at this stuff that is like your autistic superhero that you think, yeah, they've, they've got it sussed and they're doing good things for the community? I think a lot of the, the there is not many sort of, there is no sort of face of autism, if that makes mm. sense. There's no, there's no amazing inspiring person that is in the media that everybody knows about mm-hmm. but there are autistic people in the media that people know about not just as a a separate thing so there is yeah. particularly um Anne Hegarty yeah I did a video on yeah that. <laughs> <laughs> and um she was incredible because she is this amazing successful person who has also, who has also got autism and has been put on a platform, you know, the celebrity get me out of here yeah. and been able to talk about it. And they've, 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 you know, sent it off and people can look, they've broadcasted it and yeah. people can listen to it. And that, that is, you know, my main thing. That's what I want to do. And she is sort of an inspiration for me because she's sort of made those those first steps um to raising awareness of Asperger's Rob as humanizing it as much as possible and she, that's why she's my superhero <laughs> yeah fair enough um okay so let's um before we finish up I want to learn a bit more about the documentaries that you've been involved in are, are they available can people see them or are they due to come out they are due to come out soon, um, okay. typically because the universities, um, well, the uni- for, for my own documentary, 
<coughs> Asperger's in society. Uh, it is set to come out on YouTube, so it will come out on my YouTube channel, channel. and it will right. possibly be put on other platforms for other people to see, depending on how well it does. Um, and then the the documentary that I did with my friend from Leeds, um, this guy called Sai, he he's finished up with his and he's currently editing sort of a longer version of it because he had to cut his down to about 10 minutes, which was bit rubbish yeah um but yeah he's he should be getting his out soon um which should be good it's just about me and my mental health problems and my autism and in the taekwondo world and how how i sort of got up there i feel i feel very strange about having a topic on me because i don't feel like i'm that interesting to <laughs> to listen well, I- I think you're interesting. I mean, I said at the beginning, you've done so much. Um, it's really quite incredible. So, okay, fab. So they, those will um, definitely be worth a watch. And I hope someone picks them up and they go maybe more mainstream to, to work with that I hope so, idea yeah. of educating people. That would be amazing. So, yeah. So um, my other question, which is always a bit of a random one, um, but it's good fun, is if you could be an animal, what would you be and why? Hmm. Would it... So, so is it what I would want to be or what do I think yeah. I would be? Hmm. We could do both. Okay. I don't know. I think, I think I'd be a bit of a, a bit of a lone wolf, I think. Yeah. At heart. Um, I'm, you know, I, I think I'm quite a strong person i don't know i Uh, I think (laughs) in all that you've achieved and the fact that you batter people regularly (laughs) yeah maybe (laughs) yeah on on my own now i'm not in a pack though because i don't like being in a pack (laughs) um and then what i would want to be um definitely definitely something that can fly you know like a like a bird of prey or something, but a a nice cool. bird of prey, you know. Not one that kills mice, and although no. they all do, don't they? No. But yes, the <laughs> idea of flying sounds lovely. It yeah, does. Good. Okay, Fab. Is there anything else that you want to tell people out there before we finish up? Um. Do some research into autism, but also. Look out there. Look on. Look on YouTube. There's there's a lot of people who explain the differences between us very well. You just have to look for it. You know, just a few minutes. Just how, how however much time you want to, and get to know autistic people in person and understand what they're about, rather than you know objectively look at them as as the good and the bad you need to you need to understand that they are a person and once you do that you will you'll have a lot more empathy for them and you will understand a lot of the messages that i'm I'm trying to put out that's it absolutely (laughs) and i know a youtube channel where you can get that information (laughs) 
So, yeah, go check him out. Um, Tom, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. I think you've done amazing things. Thank you so much. Documentary. So, um, thank you for taking the time to chat to us. No problem. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, that's it for this week. And thank you once again for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you've got time and you can spare 30 seconds, then go and give us a five star review on iTunes. It really helps other people find our content. And we know that our content and our episodes are so helpful to our community with lots of hints and tips and interesting interviews. So go and do your kind deed of the day and leave us a five star review on iTunes to help others find us. Also, so that you never miss an episode and you get a notification when a new one is available why not hit subscribe and that way you'll never miss us finally if you're not already a member of our fantastic facebook support group i suggest you go join it we'd love to see you in there there's loads of fantastic chat lots of peer-to-peer support from people in the same boat as you so go and search on facebook for the chewy gem sensory support group and let us know what you're thinking of our episodes speak to you then bye